TT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I'm Mariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Dr. Eduardo Correa will talk about his career, the process of getting his PT license in Canada, and about the Canadian health system. Dr. Eduardo has a McKenzie diploma and also talks about his journey in the McKenzie method and shares his experience working in a McKenzie certified clinic. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Eduardo. Welcome to PT Pro Talk. How are you feeling today? Hi, Mariana. Great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Florida right now, so I can't be any better. Awesome. <laughs> so, Uh, Eduardo is a Brazilian that works in Canada, and today he's going to talk a little bit about his story. So, Eduardo, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, so I'm a 43-year-old Brazilian. Uh, I was born and raised in Sao Paulo. The last six years I was living in Brazil, I lived in Salvador, Bahia, where I finished my studies. I started my studies in physio in Sao Paulo, then I transferred to an university in Bahia, in Salvador, finish up, and then I worked there for three years. I worked in, in private practice, and I had this uh, volunteer work that I had in manual therapy in a public hospital in Salvador. I, I worked there twice a week, half-time and part-time, and I, uh, I, I did that for three years, and then after three years, I immigrated here to, to, to Montreal, where I had to go through a, an equivalence process to get my license and uh, work as a physiotherapy. And I've been here for the past uh, 10 and a half years now. I have two kids, two little Canadians. They were both born in here in, in Canada. And, uh, and I'm married to a physiotherapist too uh, that works uh, in cardiorasp. In a, it's the Cardiolo- Cardiology Institute of Montreal. And uh, we met also in university. So. We're a nice. university sweetheart. Nice. That's cool. That's exciting. And so you just mentioned that you had to get your license in Canada. Right. Uh, could you tell us a little bit how was this process, like everything that you had to do um, to get your license? Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't even, I don't know if it's still like up to date, the process, but back then when I started, what you had to do is uh, you get all the description of your your uh, your curriculum you translate that to french because uh, i'm living in montreal and the, the official language is french so you translate it to french and you send to what they call the physiotherapy order which is i think it's the parallel to the pta and the crefito in brazil so you send them on and they will analyze it we'll take a look and they will compare to the canadian standards of practice and then i will see the how many hours you did of this, the electrotherapy, manual therapy, pain, physiology, and etc. And then we'll compare to the standard. And then we'll see what it's missing on your curriculum to be equivalent to the Canadian standards. And then they determine what, uh, how many credits you shall take and which, which matter you shall take. And uh, you need to do some... some uh, yeah, the internship, maybe? Internship, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you have to do internship i had to do two courses and uh and that's another thing though the 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 professional order determines what you have to do 
but it doesn't say with, at which level. So they say orthopedics. But you go to McGill University, you have orthopedics one, two, and three. So then you have to take a placement test. And then that placement test will tell you where you're going to pick up from. Uh, I was excused from orthopedics, but the order asked me neurology and psychotherapy. I don't even know why. Yeah. That, <laughs> so I went to McGill University and said, well, they, are, they asked me for psychotherapy. They said, well, we don't offer that course in here. I said, oops, I think we have a problem now. And said, no, no, just take any, anything that fulfills those credits. You shall be fine. I said, okay, I'll take orthopedics because, you know, I'm an orthopedic guy. It should be easy, easy breezy. So I went there and I took the placement test. So I was placed in orthopedic tree. I, I also took a neurology test and I was placed in neurology two, which they had only two. So my equipment was very quick. I did two courses. Then I was lucky enough to have one in fall and the other one, uh, right in spring so it was one after the other then i did my two internships that was the requirement and uh, seven months later i had my my license so that was pretty oh, quick. Yeah. yeah that's awesome it looks like my process <laughs> yeah but you know what but, uh, I, I was, there was a lucky shot because most of people take like three years they have to wait i don't oh, know uh, what was the thing but my process went just like flashing speed really quick Nice. Yeah. So like I, I'm a Brazilian as well. And then I had to get my license in US. Uh, it took me almost three years to get my license. So it was wow. a long process. I had to do the same thing, translate everything to English and then submit. So they, um, they could tell me what I was missing. And then it was quick. I just had to do like three subjects that I did online. It was super quick and easy, nothing crazy. Uh, and then I had to, um do like a humanities class i took like a spanish i was like probably it's easier for us that we speak portuguese <laughs> as the first language and Ooh. and then i had to prove experience that i proved from brazil so i didn't have to do the internship but then it's just a lot of bureaucracy and they take uh they took six months just to the first evaluation to an analyze all my papers and everything and then after all uh, you still have to do the bar test that every every American needs to needs to pass it after college. So then I studied to this test, and then it was more time waiting around than actually doing. It just takes too long. Wow. Yeah, I'm jealous of you. Seven months. That's pretty but quick. It was pretty quick. But one thing that I think that speed up things it was that I went to this English speaking university. So most of people when they come here to Montreal to Quebec. Because the immigration process, it's particular to Quebec. It's not like it's federal government. Mm -hmm. It's a provincial government that determines the, the immigration process. So people, most people that come to here, they come already uh, speaking French. So the, 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 the waiting list for the University of Montreal, which is a French-speaking university, it's huge. My wife waited about that two and a half years before she started her equivalent. So that is one thing that counted on my favor. Another thing is that I started the process when I was already in Brazil. In 2009, I took a trip here to Montreal because I, I didn't want to just come here to a place I've never been, don't know anything. So I came for like exploratory kind of trip. So And I, I, I set up a meeting with the, the coordinator of the people that wants to do those equivalents, the immigrant or foreign physiotherapist. 
I took a, I, I, I set up a meeting with her and I took everything, all my documentation said, what, what really matters here? Because I didn't want to spend, you know, all thousands and thousands of dollars on useless stuff. So I, I sat down with her and said, what really matters here? So we spent like a couple hours and she, she was really nice. She took a look at all my, she said, no, that we don't need it, that we don't need it. So I ended up having only half of stuff to translate, which was Huge change on our budget. It was oh, yeah. awesome, really. It was already worth the trip, the tickets and everything else. So that was one thing. And, and, and another thing that is that kind of sped up to the things is that the McGill University also allowed me to have a meeting with the coordinator. So I said, what do I need to do? Can I do anything before I come here? He said, well, there's not really much to do before you get the, the, the response from the order. But I went back to Brazil. That was in 2009. I went back to Brazil. Maybe, I don't know, six months later, I got the decision from the order. But it was still like maybe seven months until I, I, I moved yeah. in here. So I contacted my guy and said, what can I do from here already? It allowed me to do tons of stuff like documentation oh. that they needed, separate everything. Same. So I, I guess when I got there, my place in the waiting list was had already advanced. So yeah. I think... It was just a combination of lucky shots yeah. and, and, and timing. Yeah, and that, that was smart. I did as well. I started in Brazil before I moved here, but it's just a lot. I, I feel that it's a lot of time-consuming time processing everything. And also another part that I think it's very difficult for uh, foreign trained PTs is the English part because uh, right. it depends on the state. Every state, they have, they have different rules. But like on my state, Tennessee, they ask for the TOEFL, uh, a very specific, like the speaking part of the TOEFL, you had to get a super high score, like 26 out of 30, yeah. for them to yeah. start looking at your document. So if you don't get this score, they, they don't even like look at, you, uh, at everything. So, mm. oh. so, so if you are moving and you don't know a lot of English and never lived abroad, it takes a while until you get used to and it's not something that you can learn really quick yeah that's true it takes time you have to practice you have to live and experience and try to talk to people so that was a a, a, a huge thing I, I guess for me in the beginning because uh i i needed to get this car i was like i have to improve my english and wow, what a challenge mariana oh yeah it was a lot of steps um but Finally, we are here, right? <laughs> there we go. Look at us now. Yeah, yeah. Right? Nice. Um, and about the immigration part that you mentioned, so how, how did that work um, in Canada? Look. Oh, that was an ordeal. Uh, as I said, it was a Quebec-specific thing. We were planning to go to Australia. That, that was uh, the first idea. But it was tough because the equivalents we would have to pay uh, – international student tuition, which is super expensive. And before we, we even planned to apply for immigration uh, status. So it, it was a tough thing and we gave up. We said, ah, we've given up. And then one day out of the blue, my mom comes in my room and said, look at that. The, the Quebec government has someone in here today and tomorrow explain an immigration process. Apparently, physiotherapy is on the waiting list, on the wanting list. They need that kind of professional. I said, ah, oh, that looks like a scam. It can't be that easy. I said, I think it's a scam. She said, well, my mom said, well, 
What do you have to lose? Just go there, man. You're smart. You're not going to fall for a scam. I said, yeah, that's true. So I went there, and my, my now wife, back then girlfriend, went with me. And it didn't look like a scam at all. It was super organized. And all, but, you know, all scams are super organized, right? And then when we left, it was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm so excited. We're going to enroll in the French course tomorrow. And my wife was like, oh, but what if it's a scam? That's true. So we went online and we did a research. Does the government of Quebec look for professionals abroad? And then, yes, we started get, popping up information that was a real deal. So we said, oh, that's pretty cool. And then we started collecting information. And, and this time, where we had all the documentations and we sent that off to the immigration uh, office that they have in South America, which then was in Buenos Aires. We sent it off and they closed down, out of the blue, they closed down the office and said, we're going to transfer to Sao Paulo. And, and all the process that are now, we're going to put on a backlog. And we don't know how long. And we were like, oh. Usually the process will take like uh, 18 months. And uh, 18 months passed and we didn't have any news. And we were like, oh, man, what's going on? So we start writing emails and calling and being, you know, anxious and, 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 and trying to find out information. And they were like, well, the best we can give is that it's a backlog and it's going to take maybe twice as much, twice as long. It's like, okay. And well, long story short, it took three years uh, for us. And after three years, we got what they call the certificate of Quebec that allows you to stay here in Quebec uh, and live in Quebec and have all the rights, just like if you were a Quebecer but you cannot vote and you do not have the parallel what is the green card for, for mm -hmm. you. You do not have the citizenship. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what we have, sorry, let me rephrase that. What we have is a green card for Quebec. What we don't have is the citizenship. Mm -hmm. You have to live three years out of five having that sort of green card to apply for citizenship. Mm -hmm. So we did that and uh, three years more, a little four years because we went to Brazil a couple of times. So that time is deducted to so the whole mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, uh, we applied for citizenship and now we are Brazilian Canadians. Nice. Very cool. So they were looking for a specific type of professionals, including physical therapists. So yeah. that's why they, they gave you permission to live there. Yeah. No, actually, it's open and for work. anyone. The process, mm -hmm. can, anyone can apply. But there's it's a system of points so oh, okay. work experience this and some professions they count more points because they are in demand they don't have enough people to fulfill the job yeah so i i think here works similar uh they give green cards to physical therapists but you have to pass through like a long process and it's a little bit harder you need like a different type of certificate so you have to have more credits, you have to have the equivalence to the doctor, doctorate, which changed just now one or two years ago. So it's possible, it, it just takes a lot of time and, um, and they require a lot of um, uh, subjects and like all the credits, more than like if you don't need the immigration part of the process. Mm. So like, yeah, I didn't need it to pass to the immigration process uh, because my husband is American, so for me it was a little bit quicker on that part. So imagine if you have to have the, the immigration part and right. then the professional yeah. part. Yeah, it takes a while, 
but it's not it's not impossible. They still give green cards uh, to physical therapists that complete the whole process. Yeah. Nice. And you did everything from Brazil. We have to uh, wait in Brazil, yeah. the immigration part of the process. Everything okay. I did, I, I, I did from Brazil and I waited in there before I moved in because it, it, it takes lots of money too, right? So yeah. I mean, you, I, yeah. I was working hard in Brazil trying to, to put some money aside. So, you know, because I knew the first year at least was going to be very rough because I wouldn't work as a physio, I would have to work as a you know, minimum wage. So I knew it was going to be a rough year. So we had to put all money possible aside to, to make that thing work. Yeah. It was a very planned out thing though, I'll tell you that. Uh, that three years that eventually, because it, it was 18 months and all of a sudden was uh, three years. But it wasn't, now looking back at the hindsight, it was not a bad thing though, because it, it, it helped us to plan it better, mm -hmm. you, you yeah. know? So, I, I think the immigration process is only successful if you do all your your research, if you if you plan it out really, mm -hmm. really, really well. Yeah, planning advance. I did the same. Yeah. It took me two years to really like, okay, now let's do it. I was yeah. researching and doing everything. And it's smart to start from Brazil because then what are you going to do in other countries? Just spend your money in dollars and it doesn't That's make it. any sense. You can't work. So what are you going to do? It doesn't make know? any sense. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so right. that's a good yeah, that's a good um, tip for the ones that are thinking about yeah, uh, starting out, the wait, process. Yeah. yeah, wait until the it's a sure thing, and yeah. then you go on board in a, in a plane, that's, and then you you fly in because otherwise then, it's just yeah, you have to work. be sure that you're able to make some money because other than right. otherwise you can survive for a long time mm -hmm. spending our Brazilian poor Brazilian eyes. <laughs> in dollars, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. smart. And uh, Edward, I'm curious about the Canadian health system. I heard many things and I, I was just trying to understand a little better. So how that works are like big companies, uh, they hire physical therapists, uh, which is more common, like just private practice, seeing patients one-on-one, -on -one, paying out of their pockets, or is the insurance big? How, how everything works there? It's very different than uh, how it works for you guys in, in the South there, in the States. In here, you have two systems, private and public. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the things, it's, it's, it's private. It's public, sorry. It, the public system, it, it, you have a surgery, it's paid for uh, medication. Most of it, it's paid for. It's a good system, but it's overwhelmed system. Mm -hmm. So if you have, a let's say, an ankle sprain, and you go to the hospital and say, oh, I have a referral for physiotherapy, or for physical therapy, that's how you call it there, right? Mm -hmm. And here's physio physiotherapy, not physical therapy. So I have the referral for it, uh, and the uh, secretary will look, okay, we'll call you when you have a spot. That spot will take about a year to, to show oh, up. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah there's a time. huge waiting list. So mm -hmm. that's where the private sector profits out of. You cannot have... You, now you do have some doctors that work in the private, but there's no surgery procedures done in the private. It's all on the public. Only consultations can be done privately and oh, physiotherapists wow. too. So I work in a private clinic. My wife works in a hospital. Mm -hmm. The private clinic, how we work, it's mainly uh, reimbursement from insurances. 
but mm -hmm. it's not that crazy thing as it is in the state that you have to document all the modalities and each one has a code and you have to charge them. It's not like that. Listen, my session is a hundred bucks. Okay, my insurer is covered 80%. So I'll give you 80 bucks and my insurer has to pay you 20. Fine, that's how it's done and it's done there. The secretary just does a thing on the computer and then deducts whatever the patient it's covered by and the patient pays the difference and I get my money 15 days later. That's amazing. Yeah. So, it's very so simple. simple. Very simple. So simple comparing yeah. to us here. Because the burden falls on the work. patient, not on us. My session is 100 bucks. You want to come see me? It's 100 bucks. So if you're going to pay out of your pocket, then you're going to ask your insurance. If your insurance accepts that we do it here online and you pay the difference, if you're not covered 100%, they usually have a... There's different insurers, right? So mm -hmm. in different plans as well. So there's some people in good companies with good jobs, they have 100% and no budget. They can use physiotherapy as many sessions as they would like. And you have those that uh, they are covered, let's say 50%, I think is the minimum, and they have a budget, let's say $1,000 a year. So you have to play smart with that. But even then, 50 bucks, $1,000, like 20 sessions. That's quite a chunk, right? So uh, that's, that's how pretty much it works. If you want to go to the public, you will have it, but you're going to have to wait and quite a long time. And that's done in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. If you want to right away, you can go. See a physiotherapist, which is direct access. We do not need a medical referral for the insurance to cover. Patients That's come, good. and uh, we just charge the insurers. No need to see the doctor first. And it's a good thing because we're there also to unburden the system, right? So if you have to pass to the doctor to see a physiotherapist, it, it will overwhelm even more the health system. So yeah. the goal is to kind of unburden the system. We have yeah. this kind of physiotherapist now that uh, they're training. There's a, a pilot project done here in Quebec where we'll be able to prescribe image studies, some sort of medications, renew other types of medications. You'll have to have a to go through a course, but it's coming because the whole goal is that we can be an unburdened, uh, a buffer for the health system. That's pretty cool because here direct access it depends on each state uh in tennessee is like partial so you can see the patients like a couple times or uh i think i don't remember the number exactly of visits maybe six visits or a month whatever comes first and then you need the referral so you are still depending on the patients having the referral and here i feel that is most of the the, the patients they go to these big companies at least in Nashville, there are just few, few private practice. So that was like another question that I, uh, I wanted to ask you. So do you feel that they're the patients, they go and they are willing to pay private or they most of the patients just wait on the list to have the public no. if treatment? They have, if they have the, the means to, they're willingly paying for. Uh, Physiotherapy is uh, it's highly seen here. Uh, people have kind of high regards for the profession, the society in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they, they, they willingly come and even sometimes when they expire that the insurance or they have a different injury, they will, if you do a good job, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, if there's results in it, they will come. The, the problem falls the same way it falls anywhere. So there's good clinics and bad clinics, right? Anywhere. Mm -hmm. So there's the clinics that keep you there 
for ages and there's the clinic that said listen no nah, it's not working we need to do something else with your dog mm -hmm. like that if they fall on the good clinics yeah they will only come if they fall on the bad clinic yeah they, they're gonna have a bad experience and then you know mm -hmm. they're probably and gonna start a practice and usually they can get a reimbursement from the insurance is that yeah. common yeah that's, yeah, that's very nice easy. Yeah, very very nice. easily very it easily. makes their lives easier and the the, the the pt's lives easier as well yeah. I don't That's get much nice. involved on that because it's I work in a, a small practice, right? Mm -hmm. So you were talking about big companies. There are big companies. What they're doing, they're buying small clinics or small mm -hmm. chains of clinics. Like I worked in one that they had 20 clinics, 20 small clinics spread around Montreal. Now this big clinic came from Toronto and bought the whole company. So mm -hmm. the, the 20 clinics. I work now in a very small clinic. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Things are simpler, right? Uh, I, I don't touch money. I, if you, I swear to God, and that's no lying here. If you ask me how much it's charged a session in the clinic, I'm not sure. I think it's nine or a hundred. I'm not sure. I swear to God, I'm not sure. Which is nice. You can spend all your time and energy on your patients. You don't that's have to worry do. about like all this part. Yeah, and, and, and I work for very honest people, so I don't even check if they're paying me correctly or not. I know it is correct, so I. I decided that my focus needs to be one what I'm trained for, which is uh, seeing patients. Yeah, that's and, very and this nice. clinic allows me to do that. So talking about the Brazil, uh, we know that we have the public system as well that people have to wait for a long time uh, right. to see a physical therapist. So do you think that would be like a big a big difference, like between uh, Brazil and Canada? Not a big difference, but comparing both systems. What do you think that is similar or different? Honestly, Mariana, I, I can't give an honest opinion about it because first, I never worked for the public system in Brazil. Mm -hmm. All I know about the public system in Brazil, I come, as I imagine you probably come too, from a privileged family, right? Where we had insurance. So yeah. I never had to go to see a doctor in the public hospital and wait. So I was very fortunate to have a family that was able to to provide a, a, a better life uh, that I didn't have to expose myself to that kind of endeavor which it mm -hmm. is going to the public yeah. hospital and having assistance in our mm -hmm. country right so mm -hmm. my opinion is very biased and, and I, I don't want to seem that I'm giving an opinion that might hurt some people that are yeah. within the system because I have no idea how it is all I know it's true you know how we know by the papers, by the news, mm -hmm. the chaotic system and all. Yeah. But I have never experienced the public system in Brazil. So mm -hmm. I guess my opinion is very, very biased. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying just to compare between all countries. Uh, here in US, I don't think we have a public uh, system for physical therapists. I may be wrong, but... Oh, I, yeah, I worked, I had the chance to work in, in Austin, right, for a bit when I was doing my mm -hmm. program. And no, in there, there's no, well, there's volunteer works, right? Institutions mm -hmm. that do volunteer work as an assistant mm -hmm. kind of a system, but there's no, nothing established by the government to offer yeah. uh, physiotherapy for free. There's some free clinics for doctors, right? But there's no mm -hmm. free clinics for physiotherapists, as I understand. Yeah, I'm not aware of that as well. That's an interesting thing. You know, what's the first thing I noticed when I, my first week when I was in Austin, I saw more post-op of the spine in my first week in Austin that I saw in my first seven, year, seven years here in Canada. 
and there's a, for me in my head there's a very simple explanation for that in the states medicine is a business and in here is a public affair so the government's not going to spend money on things that are proven not to work so if mm. you're going to fall on a table to operate your spine better be on a wheelchair having your foot dropping losing urine stuff like that or we're not operating on you because there's a chance you're going to be worse or stable you're not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars in a surgery that not going to get people more function yeah that was my conclusion of that i was very impressed but very impressed and some of my patients they came for a post-op uh, for pain in the back it's not even a post-op because the surgery had gone a long time but they often had the fusions in the neck in the back so it's yeah. it's a business it's it's and every time common. business mixed up with health uh, things tend to not turn out well in my opinion and you know how hard it is to treat the patients they get their back fused is very hard yeah yeah it's a system well i have a brother in brazil that did eight surgeries in the back and that's most oh, of wow. my interest for the spine comes out of that and oh, uh, wow. he had an infection so all these spectrums of red flags that you can think except fracture he had it so uh, my interest from the spine really came out of that so it was my last year in school it was my brother experienced that for the first time and people don't tell you it, it they don't educate you enough to 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 be able to take that decision to okay i'm ready i want that surgery right my brother didn't have constant leg pain didn't have any neurological clear neurological symptoms looking back now i didn't know anything back then yeah didn't have major hallmarks that he needed to have to follow on a surgery then he got an infection so maybe a spondylodicitis would make things way worse all the hardware had to be picked out but you're not told you're not told that you may get an infection people just assume that you know that but people don't know that they don't tell you that yes we're gonna fuse your segments and you may have less pain but you may have a harder time put your shoes on put your pants on put your underpants on they don't prepare you psychologically for that. So I think a lot of pain is persistent out of surgery because of all the difficulties they find out they, they're, they're facing then. Yeah. They're all related and, and it sucks, honestly. Education, right? Education, yeah. everything. Um, so now you just start talking about the, the, these, uh, the physical therapy part of our conversation. So imagine if they just pass, if your brother, just pass through a simple mechanical assessment yeah. and how many other patients that probably uh, would be able to avoid the surgery pass, passing through this um, screening. Um, and you know what's the fault of the physiotherapy there? Is that society doesn't know us in Brazil. So my brother never had a one session, not even tense, ultrasound. He didn't have a session before the doctor offered him surgery. That's crazy, right? So it's crazy. It's just crazy. I find it yeah. crazy, really. You know, yeah. so, yeah, you know, then ends up the way he ends up usually, right? As the patients we see in and all, it doesn't end up well, unfortunately, for most of them. And for at least, as research brings, for at least 50% of them. It, it, it's, it's high numbers we're talking here yeah yeah and it's lives right so i don't know and so you you mentioned uh about your diploma um here in, in us so um how did you start getting involved in mckenzie uh how that happened and then like why did you decide to do the diploma 
I, I am uh, at the base of my career. I'm a manual therapy uh, therapist. Sorry, I, I I did a certification with a big Australian institute. I did post grad courses, as we call in Brazil, in manual therapy. I did tons and hundreds of hours of Maitland and Mulligans and all those things. But everybody else in Bahia was doing that, right? So I was doing the same thing as everybody, and I was like, well, like, what is out there? that it's a little different than what people are doing here. And I had been superficially in touch with the, the, the McKinsey, with the MDT approaching school, but because there was a book in there that I, 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 I was a good student. I, I read a lot through my years and, and I usually, I was usually in the library looking at books and I crossed this, I remember it was a sports therapy book, Adams was the author. I forgot the mm -hmm. name. It was a green old book, and that was McKinsey. There was still the old classification, the arrangement one, two, three, four, and etc. And but I thought, well, that's interesting, but never took much interest on that after that book. So I had that superficial contact, and I said, well, there was that McKinsey guy. Um, is there anyone teaching that in here? And then I found online uh, that there was a McKinsey Institute Brazil. I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. I'm going to do a course. So I traveled to Brasilia and took my, my first party with Jose. And uh, Jose, I'm pretty sure he hated my guts in my first course because, well, first of all, I'm a very inquiring guy and I don't shy myself. And, uh, and I was a manual therapist, right? So how can you tell me that I do all this, this, and that, and that, and I still am struggling with my patients and you just do that or this or that and my, the patients get better? And one thing that struck me was it was not only about what he was talking, right? They bring patients in. And it's not like manual therapy courses. Usually it's like, does anybody have a back pain in there? Does anybody have a shoulder pain? We're all physiotherapists. We're all biased. Of course, we're looking at that guy that published tons of articles. We're like, oh, right. And he mobilizes. They're like, yeah, great. But it's so biased because we're therapists, right? We've never seen them assessing and treating real patients throughout the days of the course, having follow-ups. And then it was something like, okay, this is how it works. And I'm going to show you. You put in all those questions. I may don't have the answers, but hold on. Let's see, let's see a patient here. And then throughout the course, throughout the four days course, seeing the patients, following up the patients, I was like, oh, my God, that's pretty cool. So I had, remember, I, I had this uh, two, uh, two half days a week. I was having this volunteer work at the, at the public hospital in Salvador, Bahia. And I talked to, to my professor was Paulo Lessa, which is a guy that does also McKenzie. And I was like, Paulo, I did this course, man. And it's something really interesting. And, and Paulo at the time, he was an osteopath, right? So he didn't want even hear much about it. He was like, yeah, 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 right, Eduardo, do whatever you want. I don't care. And left. And but one thing that he did, and it's true, he mentioned that, and he started giving me the heart patients. The patients nobody wanted. Go see Eduardo. Go see Eduardo. Which sucked because I was a new grad, right? I I had just graduated and I had these courses and I was seeing those patients. But that was like a, a light speed growth and, and I started getting results. But what motivated me, Mariana, what's just like Kind of a Mr. Smith story. I had this patient, the first patient I saw, or second, something like that. Like in this first day I was in the clinic, I saw this patient. And he told me, I was like, what gets better? What gets worse, right? And he was like, 
man, lots of things gets me better, but there's one thing that, uh, lots of things gets me worse, but there's one thing that gets me better. So what is that? I lie on my stomach and my kid sits on my back. It was like, oh, that, that's that little overpressure that Jose was doing. That's mm -hmm. nothing more than that overpressure. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's do it. Bang, centralization. And I was like, oh, that cannot be. And I was very gutsy. So I said, I, uh, let's do some flexion. Bring your knee to your chest. And then the guy got pain on the, the cuff. And he was like, now I'm getting pain on the cuff. And it's like pretty bad. Can you take it off? And I was like, oof, I don't know. Well, no, let's try. Go again. Boom, boom, over pressure. Centralized again. And I was like, wow, there's really something to it. I guess that if I did not have had that experience, uh, that I'll probably have dropped and go back to my old manual therapy thing. So I started investing a little more. I, I won't say that I started being a purist and I started doing all McKinsey right after. But I found it was interesting. And I started applying more, implying into different types of treatment and do my manual therapy more oriented based on my McKinsey mechanical assessment of directional preference. So I would only mobilize in the extension for those that responded to it. And little by little, that manual therapy and skills and, 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 and techniques start to fade away because I start to feel that they didn't need it anymore. So I start being more of a McKinsey therapist and that's it. And I only got to be a purist when I, I work in a certified McKinsey clinic. So that's what we do day in, day out. We're not even allowed to do other stuff unless you're a mechanically conclusive or or an MUR or any of the other classifications, then you can do whatever the literature brings uh, as uh, evidence. But we do day in, day out, McCain's assessments, uh, mechanical assessments, mechanical treatments. And uh, I, I, I'm a purist now. For a while, uh, before even that clinic, I was being a purist only for the spine. It took me a great chunk of time before I did my extremity courses because Eh, there was not much evidence, which is still true, right? There's not much evidence. It's growing, but still not there like in the spine, right? There's a lot of work to be done. So I was very resistant to do. But when I went to this McKinsey clinic, and, uh, and the guy's also a, a diplomat, he was like, you have to go do the diploma program. You'll never be satisfied if you don't. I found it hard to believe that I could get that much better. Right? I was like, well, it's a chunk of money, right? And it was like, well, I, I, I don't feel. And imagine that our money, our Canadian dollars, it's averaged 30% less than the American dollar. So the program costs me 30% more than cost to a American physio. Imagine a Brazilian physio, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those guys that done their heroes, I'm telling yeah. you, they are heroes. So I was like, oh, okay, man, but I'm not sure. But in the first year, that I'm a very unsettled guy. I can't, uh, I can't plateau. A plateau is very difficult for me. And I start plateauing. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to do it. But I don't have the money. And I swear on my kid's life, I said, I don't have the money. That same week, I got an offer from my bank with a line of credit with super, super low, like a student kind of uh, interest rate. And I was like, you got to be kidding me it's a sign <laughs> no, it's a sign and i was like man are you gonna be kidding me it's just timing what the heck so i talked to my wife because we didn't have some money aside and the money was to initially to a down payment on the house right so uh, it was a touchy subject and i was like and she said man i know you and you are unsettled like crazy if you don't do that 
that's divorce. I can't stand it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's, that's right. I got to do it. So there we go. I did. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I'm sure that it did a, a great difference on your practice, right? It so did. how was the experience? Uh, how was the diploma? Um, I know there is like a theoretical part first that you have to do, a pass, and then the practical part. So yeah. how was that? Tell us a little bit about that. So I, I know there were changes in the past year. We have a, so in my clinic, in the clinic I work for, we have me and the, the, the owner as diplomats, and we have two diplomats to be. They just finished their uh, theoretical uh, part of it. Mm -hmm. So I know the process uh, had some changes. So I'll tell how was my experience in 2016 when I started. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, when I started, uh, we had this theoretical part, which was a, a, a university semester, where it's divided by subject. So you have uh, McKinsey approach, reliability, different classification systems, uh, how to assess a paper, right? This is discussing that too. Discussing about treatment for tendinopsis. So it's a, it's a variety of subjects that involves musculoskeletal uh, care and that it's discussed evidence-based. It's very, very literate. So it's, there's a lot of reading, lots of writing, lots of assessing, and it's you and a lot of other people, right? So you don't want to just come with a, excuse my language, but a crappy paper and show something that, you know, internal validity, it's just out of the bounds, no working. So you really make sure that you do your due diligence and do the proper analysis and assessment of the paper. And then it's all high graded paper. So it's high level discussions. It's a very, very interesting thing. I, I, I really enjoy doing uh the, the theoretical part of that and it was done at dundee university in scotland where is a site as well for the diploma program i think we have uh three sites that are uh, allows foreigners to come you have others you have in australia but it's only for australians new zealand only for new zealand i think south africa only for south africans but you have uh, scotland which is open for anyone you have uh, Austin, which is open for anyone, and you have recently in the past year Montreal also, which is open to anyone too. Done by my great friend Michael Dyke and, and Duke. They're great guys, really, really good. Mike was actually from my the same cohort from the diploma program I am, and it's a great, great guy. So, and Montreal is a great, fantastic city. So, for those that are planning to, maybe you, Mariana, planning yeah, to do. Been thinking. And Montreal is a great option. I mean, I love Austin. Austin is a great city. You have very experienced mentors there, right? I was mentored by uh, Chris Chase and, and, and Kim Green. They're excellent. The city is amazing, but Montreal is very special. But again, I'm biased, right? I'm, I'm sort of a Montrealer now after 10 years. So for me, it's a little biased opinion. But back to the diploma program. So you have that that theoretical program, which is lots of discussions, lots of reading. And then you have to write two essays. You write the essay. If you pass, if you get a good grade, you move, down, you move on to the uh, practical component. The practical component, there's usually a waiting list as well, depending on the site you choose. Austin, there's, also, there's usually a waiting list. Uh, but once that waiting list is gone, you go to the diploma program, the practical component. 
you do the practical component and it's both of them i mean there's no stress-free part of it it's it's a and, and i mind you they advise you to work part-time throughout the process i was a full-time clinician all through the process oh, so wow. uh, and uh, yes and i had that small kid it, it was tough as nail to accomplish that i i looking back now i was like how did i do it but well hard work pays off that's what they say right yeah, so yeah. And, and, and indeed it did so i went to this diploma program the diploma program it's it's you have to be open mind right regardless of your level of experience and ego sometimes can get in the middle of things right because you're doing that for a while and then sometimes you get some critics that they're, they're always constructive but sometimes you get a little you know uh, touched on your ego said oh i done that forever what are you saying right but anyways, you have to be open. You have to. So I was, I, I, I went there engaged in being an open mind, open spirit for that. But the first time you're there, that you're there with the patient, and then your mentor is there when it's bored and writing stuff. And you're like, crap. The first mistake was my first patient. We were in the, because you pick up from maybe a clinician that was there prior to you, right? Mm -hmm. And I got someone that was starting a recovery of function. Recovery of function was something that I was not very used to do before the diploma program because my patients, pain was gone, bang, they were gone. And I kind of didn't mind that back before I did the diploma program. Now I know it's a stupid thing I could ever done. But they said, okay, let's start recovery of function. The first thing I did was flexion and standing. Oh man, kick, <laughs> just kick it in said, no, 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 no. Okay, so lie down, let's start. And I was like, red flushed right and i was like Slay. oh how can it be <laughs> and and i had this roommate this my partner in crime there in, in austin it was gaurav gaurav it's a he's a mastermind of mdt the guy knows everything the guy is a, so i was like oh and he was in the room with me i was like oh come on there you know <laughs> and i had this i had this little sort of pressure on me because I got a, a beautiful letter of recommendation from Colin Davis, who's my biggest mentor in the MDT. So, you know how Colin's experience and look, everybody looks up to him. I didn't want to make him look bad, right? So, <laughs> yeah. the first thing I do that, that was tough. But, you know, I shook it off and I took that as a learning experience. I was there for that, right? Yeah. And then King came out, oh, no, Eduardo, it's fine, you know, because she saw I was a little upset. And she came, no, it's fine, you know. It's, and I was like, but you know what, Kim? I didn't come here for pats on the shoulder. I came here for kicks on the nuts. So that's how it is. And that's how I'm going to build up myself. There's one sentence, Mariana, that I truly believe that I carry wholeheartedly with me. It's the literate of the 21st century is not the one that cannot read or write. It's the one that cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. I was through that process. I had learned, but it was yeah. time to unlearn some of my concepts and relearn. And if I couldn't open my spirit to that experience, I, I wouldn't have succeeded in the diploma program, which is very demanding, very demanding. So uh, I, 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 you have to find a valve of scap. Mine was running. Uh, I, I, I ran almost every day there. I, I ran uh, what they call the turkey trot. I was there during Thanksgiving, and they have the turkey trot. It's an eight kilometers run I did. It was fun as hell. So my experience on the diploma program was... A plus, and I would recommend to every clinician, 
everyone, even the ones that are most experienced and they think there's nothing to be learned on the system anymore, go do the diploma program because there's tons to learn. And you can only learn if you're inserted in that kind of environment. I was working elbow to elbow with the diplomat too, and I still learned. So it, it's, a, it's the whole environment that inspire MDT that you need to be inserted that for the whole nine weeks to get that experience. So I recommend to everyone, if I could, if I had the money, I would do it again. Let's put that like that. You're always learning, right? Like, like in the courses, when you start repeating, you always learn new things every time you see something. And I imagine that times hundred, probably on diploma, that on that experience, emerge there and just breathing there, living there. And that's an interesting thing, though, because I don't know if you know, but even the states, you can do that, too. Certified, they can give lab assistance to courses. So you can write the McKinsey Institute. Let's say they have a 25, a group of 25, 30, which is not mm -hmm. in the States. It happens all the time. You can write the McKinsey Institute and say, listen, are you guys in need of assistance? Can I assist the course? And you can redo the courses as an assistant. Nice. So before I had the guts or the money or the, the guts to spend that money on the diploma program, that's what I was doing. I'll tell you, I, I probably had done maybe five times part A, six times B, nice. and so on and so forth, doing that assistance. I was always assisting courses for calling here, and I did assist in the States too when I was there. So I'm pretty sure, uh, I know it doesn't happen like that in Brazil, but I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure in the States it's no different than in here. Nice. That's so, you know, know. that experience of, it's not really what it's in the manuals. That you can read every day. It's seeing mm -hmm. the interaction of the instructors with the patients, different patients, assessing, treating. So you can learn quite a chunk of uh, things by assisting those courses. My favorite part is watching them, treating the patients. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, that's cool. So I think, yeah, you're always learning. I think you should be always the open to that. And I imagine how many new things and like just to do everything step by step, as you said, like sometimes you skip steps or you're used to do the way that you kind of decide if you're going to do it not, may not be the right way to do. And you start doing that. And then for you, that's, that's your truth. And sometimes right. you, it's not the truth. Um, yeah. It's your truth, right? Yeah, our truth. The clear one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And after you finish that practical component, after six months, you have to do the exam. And that's where things uh, really catch up. It's really, really hard. It's really stressful. It's two days. And you have three clinical scenarios every day. It's a tough one. And in each clinical scenario, you have two like big names of the, the method. So I had, uh, I, we were, we did not have Helen because Helen was handing other business at the time, but we ha I had Kathy, for instance, which known to be tough one on the exam. I had Richard Rosedale on my last exam, which is, he was tough on me too, uh, asking one question after the other. You know that hard patient that has beliefs and questions about yeah. those beliefs? That was Richard on my exam. And I was like, doing that, I was like, why are you doing that to me, Richard? We're both Canadian, don't do that. <laughs> and, and it was pressure. And so Colin didn't assess me for obvious reasons. That's a conflict of interest, right? I'm yeah. calling him up and down every time, so it wouldn't be fair. 
so he did not assess me. But I had I forgot it's it, it's terrible. I forgot her name, but the instructor from Italy. She's a super nice one, but very experienced. So I had all the very experienced people from the method assessing me during the exam, and it was tough, very very tough. Yeah, so you better learn. Yeah, <laughs> you better. You better. You better do it, and you better do just once. Because if you fail, you have to go back and do it again. And it's not easier the second time, right? So yeah. I know people had done twice the practical component and then three times the exam, not because they're not good enough. It's because it's tough. And you you end up losing to yourself because it's a, it's a nerve-wracking experience. I did, I did sports competition a lot in my life, so... You, I guess that when you do competition before that, you kind of, you, I was super stressed. I, I slept three hours the night before my first exam. I was super stressed. But when the situation comes, you know how to deal with that yeah. easier than someone who's dealing with that competitive kind of thing firsthand. Yeah. So uh, it was nerve wracking, but I guess I did well. Good, good. Very good. So I just have one more question about that. I know you've been talking a lot now. Um, so you, you mentioned about your clinic, so you are a um, McKenzie certified clinic. So yeah. I, I look on the website and I saw the names and I was wondering like, so you have to uh, have diplomates, but just people that are diplomate or you, you mentioned that you have some certified uh, clinicians that are finishing the diploma. So how that works have, like the, the, the title? You have to have at least a part A to work in that clinic, right? Because it's a certified. So if you don't have anything, I mean, it's going to be very hard mm -hmm. for you to develop. So uh, you need to, to be hired in that clinic. You need to have at least part A. Huh? The clinic, it's, uh, I, and, and I have no, I, I'm not an owner of the clinic, but the clinic is awesome. You work in the clinic, you get mentorship. I am one of the mentees. I'm the responsible to welcome the new clinicians to the clinic. And I, everybody goes through at least eight-week process of mentorship where I'm there just like the diploma program with my wooden board and taking notes and, 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 and correcting and, and doing uh, technique labs. So we practice technique. We discuss the basic concepts and, 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 and operational definitions so they understand how the method operates. Uh, you participated in one of our clinical meetings. We do that once every two months where I assess patients and then we discuss the clinical case. We do one of those every day with those new clinicians. So we go, the, the, the McKinsey form, it's a, it's a very structured one and each step of it means something, especially on the subjective, especially regarding classification, direction, force. So I want them to understand that. So when they're Filling out the form, that reasoning, it's a letter that, okay, that cannot be a dysfunction because, man, it's only two weeks. So it's functions out of the tape. So I'm only dealing with either the arrangement or others. At the end, that funnel needs to lead them to have fewer hypotheses to work on the, the objective part. So we train them very diligently, very extensively on that regard. And, uh, so, and it's all offered by the clinic during your working hours and it's paid for. Nice. So, which is really, very really nice. rare. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, it probably helps a lot. The people that are just starting to work on their clinics, a lot of if, mentoring if and learning. Yeah. Nice. If you're interested in McKenzie, 
there's only two places to go here in Montreal, which is the clinic I work for and the clinic that offers the diploma program. Uh, that had that it belongs to Dimitri Dragutin, another diplomat, mm -hmm. very very uh, knowledgeable uh, guy. So in that clinic, you have three diplomats that are out of bounds. Really, they're really good. So you have two places to go. In any of those two places that you work, uh, you you have a good mentorship uh, regarding the the mechanical diagnosis and care. Nice, very nice. Good to know. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot of the, those clinics. Uh, I've been doing my research on the institute, and I saw there are a few certified clinics. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, I joined the clinic five years ago, and uh, it's been a ride, really. I, I, I really like how Caleb Catcher, which is the owner, how he manages the clinic and what he took. Because the, the, the mission of the clinic is to provide, obviously, good service, to, to, to patients, uh, provide a good lifestyle, allow a good lifestyle for clinicians so nobody go burning out right and left, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you think you're seeing too many patients. You go talk to Caleb and say, Caleb, I think I'm seeing too many patients. Okay, we're going to cut that out to a few of your patients. So everything's yes. stockable and manageable so you remain happy. You cannot offer a good service if you're not happy. And yeah. mentorship, uh, one of the biggest benefits of the clinic, it's knowledge. You will get more knowledgeable into McKinsey, into mechanical diagnosis and therapy if you work with us. You will have it because that's our focus. The mission of the clinic is to divulgate, to, 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 to spread the world about the MDT. That's amazing. Yeah, very nice. Okay, Eduardo, I have just now the final three questions that I ask every guest. So, uh, the first one, uh, what is your favorite source of information? Do you have any paper or study, anything that you like in particular? I don't have any paper that I like in particular. I, I enjoyed the last uh, SI joint paper that was published. I unfortunately forgot the author. It's a... Uh, it's, it's changing the speech. I don't remember the exact words. Changing mm -hmm. the speech on how we explain SI joint dysfunctions, right? The upslips, downslips, uh, posterior rotation, mm -hmm. anterior rotation. It, those things, they don't happen, right? And I always had that feeling that it doesn't. I remember in my manual therapy course, one of them done in a big institute in Brazil, that the instructor did an assessment of a gilet test for an SI joint positional test. Yeah. And... And then we asked him to leave the room. I got in the room, tested, was two different opposite responses, right? So, I mean, obviously he has more experience. Oh, maybe I'm right. Who knows? Who the heck yeah. knows, right? Yeah. So I always had that feeling since early uh, in my career. And I like this paper. It puts out in, in a good uh, one. But it's, I'm only mentioning this paper because it's recent that I read. I probably had other ones. I, I, I read at least five papers a week, so uh, I don't want to mention one and, and, and then to remember, oh, no, that was the other one, that was the one. I, I, want, I, I, want, I would like to mention a book that I really like, which is Greaves' Modern Manual Therapy. Uh, you have many volumes throughout the history of physiotherapy. Uh, Greaves was an important manual therapy. He did a lot for our profession. In the last book, we have two chapters about MDT, one for the spine, one for the extremities. So I think it's a good, very good book with solid information, with solid references, with a multitude of subjects that uh, 
every musculoskeletal physiotherapy needs to know at least or at least have to have a basic knowledge about so i i strongly recommend the grips modern manual therapy okay i'm going to make sure they write down everything on the show notes so everybody can check later um okay and i think then, the last edition is called the grips modern musculoskeletal therapy to get away a little from manual therapy i guess okay <laughs> everybody's okay. trying to get away from it no just kidding guys manual therapy is out there telehealth now yeah it's yeah. funny how a lot of my manual therapy said you cannot treat heads off and they're all doing the web rehab now and i'm like oh okay what happened to you, you cannot treat hands off i've been doing yeah. that for 12 years and you guys criticize me where are you guys now yeah that's fine i understand <laughs> i hope they understand better now right and they get that so uh, times for changes times yeah. for changes yeah, in I multiple agree. levels I agree. I think a lot of things are going to change. Mm -hmm. The way we relate to each other, the way, the, the way we see physical contact, the way we see our relatives, how we miss and how important they are in our lives. So it's time for changes. If we don't change, then it's, it, it, it's official. We're as stupid as a dunk or even worse, right? So We have to adapt. You have to, we adapt. Have to adapt. Yeah. 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 You do have. Yeah. Um, second question, Eduardo. What would be the best advice you can give to the clinicians that are starting their careers? Okay. The illiterate of the 21st century is not the one that cannot read or write. It's the one that cannot learn and learn and relearn. That's the best advice I can give a, a, a young physio. Be ready. Be ready to shred all your certificates in face of new evidence. Be ready. Because it will come the time, right? I, I, we have been, we, the McKinsey therapists, we have been fortunate that the scrutiny of research has backing us up, right? But I, 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 I tell you that, Mariliana, with my heart open, I'm willing to rip all my certificates in face of good and valid evidence. And the therapist, the good one, is the one that does active listening to your patients. The truth is within the patient. And Sirek said that many many years ago the truth is within the patient and i remember i took this course with this australian guy kim robinson very very uh smart guy and he told me this and i carry that with me up to these days if you listen to your patients they'll tell you what to do if you listen more they will no, sorry if you listen to your patient they'll tell what they have but if you listen further they will tell you what to do and cut your work to half I, I, it's not about me, it's about them. So I make sure I actively listen to them and I'm open to educate them gradually to as much as they're open to and make their lives easier. Commitment, commitment to the mission of making people's life better, more functional and open spirit. If you have that in you, you have all the tools it takes to be a great physio. The technical part, it comes with years of experience and hard work. If you're willing to put on, you're good to go. You're good to go. If you don't have it, then you have to rethink uh, your priorities. Either you're going to do major changes with I don't believe. If you don't have that in you, it's very hard to, to bring it out and to make it flourish. But if you don't have it, think if physiotherapy is your, the profession for you. But if you have it, those two things, I think you have 80% what it takes to be a great physiotherapist. Yeah, I loved everything you said. I think yeah. it makes all the sense. Yeah, I agree 100% everything. 
And the last question, what personal abilities or qualities that you think are important to become a successful physical therapist? Yeah, we kind of answered that, but open mind. You have to yeah. be open mind. Uh, you can't be, uh, somebody will tell you eventually, I'm a McKinsey therapist, right? But somebody, every now and then somebody can say, listen, somebody pushed on my back and it helped. I will not ignore that information. Mm -hmm. That patient had a past experience that was positive. Can I recreate that experience? I'm not yeah. close to that. I, I'm not going to explain to him that I'm moving the facets. and it's, it's a whole different scenario for me, right? But I do think it's mechanical and we're changing things. If I'm Simple pushing side. the brain in one direction, I don't know. All yeah. I know is that if I push it in there, you get better. Whatever happens inside, it's way out of my understanding. It can be the way I see in the books, which is taking consideration a very healthy and no problems fine, or I can take in consideration what you're telling me. I'd rather take in consideration what you're telling me because the truth is within you. So you have to be open spirit. You can never be closed mind. Just so you know how uh, truthful I am to those principles, I'm, I, I'm changing now my career and I'm going to work in a hospital where I'll be seeing cardiovascular patients, neurological patients. I haven't seen them for the past 13 years, but I feel I need to learn, unlearn, and relearn. I'll still keep my foot in the clinic. We have the projects that my uh, two months thing that we do, I'll keep doing. We have research projects that uh, I'm headed. I'm giving also still mentorship in my free hours. I'm still very involved with all those things we talked, but I am throwing myself in something that uh, I haven't touched in the past 13 years, only out of the will to learn and learn and relearn. I think it's, uh, we, we never can let ourselves get comfortable, right? Because um, if you are uncomfortable, you are learning. You, you, you have to be always moving, doing something different because on the time that you are comfortable, you think you know everything, you, you kind of movement comes out of unsettledness, right? You yeah. need to be unsettled because if you're yeah. just settled, that comfort zone, yeah, that's fine. I'm not criticizing people like that's fine. You choose the way you want to live, but I am an unsettled guy. I can't stay in the same place. You see, like even we're talking, I'm moving. I can't. It's part of my nature. I cannot. Yeah. So at a certain point, I was like, okay, I love the McKinsey approach. It made me the and even the person I am, because at a certain point, everything gets right, all mixed up inside you. So make me the person I am with my character of providing independence to people, being that by therapy or by advice in other fields. It's my nature now. So I love doing that. But I had that unsettledness saying, Eduardo, you've got to do something else now. You have to. My first, and it's funny because my first question, when I got inside the clinic, my first, I took a week off after my diploma program every and that's another advice take a week off after you need it so i got inside the clinic i looked at my boss and so you liked it said i liked it so now what where do we go from here right and uh and he said well now it's projects i want to bring projects and how we're going to use our knowledge to bring new clinicians and make them and that's the mentorship program was born out of that 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 thing that you participate was born out of that out of being unsettled. I cannot just see patients. I have to be involved in a multitude of things. Yeah, I think that's that's the, 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 the way of growth, right? You can you have to always be seeing seeking something different. When you when you are too comfortable, you you are probably not growing. So no. 
it's just vegetating. It, yeah. It's yeah. going to flourish, right? That's the whole thing. Eduardo, thank you so much for all the information, uh, everything that we, uh, our conversation about Canada, comparing everything, talking about diploma. It was amazing for me. I learned a lot of things. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, learned too. And where people can find more information about you and about your work? First, Mariana, I want to say that it was a huge pleasure. I talk a lot. I hope uh, you're, uh, you're probably not expecting that. I talk a lot and I, I, my time just goes on and on. I, I don't have any, I don't have any TMJ problem, so it goes on <laughs> and on. So thank you for giving me the space. Uh, it was really a pleasure. When you contacted me, it was like, oh, that's nice. I love doing this type of stuff. So it was a huge pleasure for me being here talking to you and to people that follow you on your channel. Uh, if people want to know a little more about me, the work I do in the clinic, you can always access the site of the clinic. It's physiosa.ca. And uh, you'll find the, my information, my inf contact information. So if you watch this video and you have further questions about the diploma program, well, feel free to, 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 to write me, to shoot me an email. It will be a pleasure to, to answer any questions or clarify any doubts. Good. And I forgot to mention that you do at webinars, right? Every month you said on your clinic, I watch it. Um, I, I did. I did it. It was a new experience. I'm not doing every month. I just did that one. We're, okay. we're assessing what we're going to do with that. Either, so there's two possibilities. Either we're going to make it available on the website of the clinic or mm -hmm. we'll become a monthly thing that... Okay. We talk about different things. So, still studying the uh, what's gonna be of that. Okay, nice. But people have the website of the clinic that I'm going to put, so they can check there and see perfect. what's going on. Okay, awesome. perfect. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to share your knowledge and help us here with all this information. So, I'm very glad uh, to have you here. And I wish you a good rest of your day. It's night, it's late. We've been here Friday, Friday night, talking about everything we love. I work tomorrow, lost. baby. I work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my I God, have a Saturday. I have a vestibular patient at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, my so God. A vestibular patient takes an appointment Saturday at 8 a.m. You know, it's a tough one. So, there Oh, yeah. Go. It's, he's needing. The patient <laughs> yeah. is needing. So, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, thank you again. And oh, thank you. I hope to see you on our uh, meetings on the web to discuss patients. Uh, you're very welcome. I love to have you guys there. So I hope the next one you're there too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was in one before and I probably will always learn. Give us feedback right? too for things you like, things yeah. you don't. It's a dynamic process. We want to get better and it's something to share knowledge. So it needs yeah. to be something that suits everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's just adding, adding, sharing. That's that's what we need. Get our profession strong, stronger. You right? got it. You said it. Okay. Thank you so awesome. much, Eduardo. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about? Talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.